back again, back again, back, 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 back again. That's too much. That's too high energy for what we're about to do. Isn't it, John? No, I thought it was a little weak. <laughs> A little, a little weak. Well, normally you do a big opener, and it seemed like you were about to do one, and then you pulled back. Okay. And I feel then like got I'm getting called out now. Huh? I feel like you're calling me out now. Okay. Well, it's just Here a we weird go. coincidence, because I imagined myself doing it earlier. Before we started recording, like an hour ago, I was thinking about what if I did it again, and then I imagined myself doing something similar to what you just did, like a sort of like light rap, and then pulling back and stopping in the middle because I got self-conscious. You want to do it at the same time? Let's share it. No, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want you don't want to do that? Come on. No, because all this did was validate my fears. I never want to introduce <laughs> this thing again. <laughs> you did a great job. This was just surpri- a surprising reaction on your part. But no, I never want to touch this again. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a middle guy. Well, I'm glad you, you uh, now feel comfortable with your place. You know what? You went for it. You tried. You failed miserably. Yeah. Buddy. No, you did not. You did great. Uh, you no, did great last week. By the way, this is Mad About, Mad About You, your weekly Mad About You recap podcast. I am Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. It is good talking to you again, John. Have you had a good week or so? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Me too. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you. We're often just like, oh, we we talk pretty much about a lot of things. We talk long. Our, Our episodes are long. What can we do? And then it's just like, yeah, what can we do to trim it? It's like, hey, Russ, how about- Cut the small talk? nothing happened with- if nothing happened with you and nothing happened with John, why don't you not include the portion of your day that if it happened in an elevator would really bum you out and instead you pass it off as entertainment for strangers? Uh, yeah, maybe you don't have to do that part. Yeah, or maybe the analysis this... after it. Yeah, maybe you should cut out this part where you're talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> ah, well, next week. We live yeah, and what learn. the hell? <laughs> Just to reiterate, nothing worthy of comment this week. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. not true. I went to a creepy California ghost town. In the desert. Oh, that sounds like fun. Called Bombay Beach, and it was terrifying. And we Jeez. didn't get out of the car. <laughs> you didn't get out. And we, we saw on? one person in the entire town. And it was just abandoned, like, motorhomes from, like, 30 years ago. And then, like, there were a bunch of, like, old cars just laying around. And there was a stretch limousine with, like, an office chair hanging out of the side, one of the side windows. And then a folding chair that had smashed through the windshield and was just left there. <laughs> and then one Holy house. Cow. That was covered in greenery and foliage and like seemed like some rich like it seemed like the Hearst Castle of this ghost town. <laughs> like it seemed like citizen what's his name? Kane was in there. Yeah. <laughs> Just living it up alone. Some recluse. That's how many people went? Uh me and my girlfriend drove it was uh, the beginning of a horror movie. <laughs> Yeah, basically. Which is why we didn't I'm get glad. out of the car. <laughs> yeah, that's that's two different questions, actually. How many people started on this trip and yeah, how many right. of you were left uh, by the end of it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, it was me and my girlfriend by the end of it. But at the beginning, there was yeah. a jock. There was this cheerleader girlfriend. There was a stoner. It was. <laughs> we did stuff like that growing up on Long Island. I remember I didn't do it as often as other people, but there was like this area. I'm not even sure where it was exactly, but it was called Tiny Town, and it was just a whole bunch of small houses. These are urban myths. I feel like it. Well, 
I, you went. I Yes, I went, and I remember being doubly confused. Maybe partial, you know, you're calling them like urban legends, and it could be, because I remember seeing it and just being like, this is it. These are just houses. I'm confused. But if they were, or maybe, maybe I'm just made of such stern stuff that there's nothing scary to me about a bunch of small houses. <laughs> Wait, you mean like they were houses for little people, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I... Like how little? I think there's now like, I think a TLC show called like, tiny house it's like a thing where it's not necessarily for little people it's just smaller it sounds like you were just a bunch of rich jerks driving around a poor neighborhood in long island going how do people live in these (laughs) tiny homes oh a ranch style oh my goodness you'd have to put like four of these together to make a normal home (laughs) wow thank you for calling out the filthy bourgeois of my childhood (laughs) Because, yeah, I mean, I've heard about, I mean, they used to call them midget towns, of course, but I've heard about these from various people, but I, it seems so crazy to me. Like, maybe it's, I don't know. Yeah. It just feels they like one of those urban myths. don't call that anymore. Because I've never it's, seen it's, any evidence. Yeah, I, what I, yeah, whatever I did with my friends was not spooky. <laughs> so it either sure. didn't exist or I'm uh, made of a, uh, I'm, I'm great. <laughs> well, no offense, but I don't think that's it. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm clearly not great, so it's got to be the other thing. I don't think your choices were either this or Marine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll apply for the armed forces, and it's just like, well, what makes you think you're fit to be here? It's like, well, I went to this small town, and I didn't get scared <laughs> for a second. Not for a second. And you should have seen these houses. Yeah. My other drama club friends were weirded out. <laughs> Not me, man. Where's my gun? They didn't even have screened uh, porches. <laughs> I mean, some of these, you look at them and you're like, there's no way there's more than two bed, one and a half bath in there. <laughs> Where does family sleep? <laughs> So I'm glad that nothing happened with you or me so that we could skip right on ahead and not spend any time talking about our week. Man, happy season finale, John. Happy season finale, Russ. Wow. Season one, episode 22. Yes, I mean, it's very, you know, to really spend this much time with each episode really makes you think because we're not even coming close to a fraction of the time these people spend making these. That's right. And then they did this for seven years. Yeah. It's so many jokes. It's a lot. And I'm exhausted from the schedule of just keeping up with one day a week. We talk about this for a couple yeah. of hours. I mean, granted, and I'm just like it was their job. I'm just like, still. yeah, yeah, sure. But I'm just like, this is a big commitment. It is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very true. And I'm just like, wow, I don't know. Wow, these people are actors and directors and writers. I don't know how they do it. And it's just like, well, they they do it. It's what yeah, they to but do. It, I mean, it's a lot of jokes to it's write. A lot, yeah, a lot of scenes. For sure. They, and then they take, I mean, God bless them. They then take four months off to do it again. Oh, yeah. God bless them. But they're working on other things. Yeah. I'll bet. They're indies. They're indies. Yes. Episode is called Happy Anniversary. And it premiered on May 22nd, 1993. And uh, yeah, John, why don't you tell me what the TV Guide synopsis was? Well, this is a weird combination. This feels like the moron they hired got a little training and has reeled it in and uh, he's found a nice balance between his florid tendencies when it comes to these descriptions and uh the succinct nature of his predecessors writing okay <laughs> do we want to name this guy shakespeare <laughs> 
Okay, great. Yeah. So Shakespeare's work in a TV guide right yeah, now. This is Shakespeare, and the guy before him, I would call uh, like Stalin. All right. <laughs> okay. I don't. It was you're, just you're picking favorite. real icons. Yeah, to... <laughs> yeah. All great men. All great. <laughs> I don't know who who would, it felt almost German, I guess, in the in how pragmatic the writing was. Sure. I mean, I don't know. Can you? Who's a very pragmatic person from history? Who's not a monster? Who's a pragmatic who's not a sociopath? I don't know the answer to your question. I also don't know why this has to be the name of a person from history. You could have said this person's name was Bobby, and we could have moved forward with, well, well, okay, yeah, the writer's name is Bobby. Why would well, we name then, him then? Because then Bobby works for TV Guide, and then we see what happens next week. But we see doesn't. how long Bobby. We see how long Bobby can hold the job. Gotcha. Until somebody else Instead takes of over. me saying this guy, that guy, the other guy? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, right now we got Shakespeare and the first guy, okay? Yes, Shakespeare and the first guy, great. Ooh, <laughs> I'd watch that show, Shakespeare and the first guy. <laughs> okay, so this episode <laughs> description. The Buckman's first anniversary party features one love in bloom while another wilts. Shakespeare is right. Yeah, that's That's right? a sonnet. That's a it, it sonnet It is a bit right of a there. sonnet, yeah. Yeah. And yet, you know, you understand what the episode's going to be, and it doesn't take too long to get there. Devon knows that fester surely smell worse than weeds. <laughs> Breaking that's, hearts. That's very good. <laughs> that's very good. I like that synopsis a lot. I do, too. Well, yeah. I don't yeah, think I sure. love it, but I respect it. You're, that's all I ask of you. Yeah, they don't all have to be You don't have everyone. to like me. You just have to respect me. Yeah. <laughs> what was on TV? Oh, man. This was this was a great night. This was an extra. I did too much stuff for this. Uh-oh. Strap in, guys. Here comes an eight-hour description of a 12-minute cartoon. You're not wrong. So we did an exercise today, we being I, in I couldn't decide between two things to watch. And one thing seemed like something I would like, and the other thing seemed like something that would be very bad but worth checking out. Mm-hmm. They were both on at the same time. So this is kind of like... What if you were flipping channels on the night of May 22nd, 1993? Sure. At nine o'clock. <laughs> so this is directly up against before, I believe Empty Nest was on before Mad About I'm You that so night. so sick at of nine. hearing about Empty Nest, yeah. Oh, me too. I think this is the last time we're going to, and we're not going to hear any more about it except for the fact that it was on. <laughs> nine o'clock on CBS, Willie Nelson, the big six O. It was Willie Nelson's 60th birthday party. All the way back then? Yes, he is a very old man. He looks good. He looks great. That's what weed will do for you, I guess. Wow. <laughs> But I'll tell you, it was weird because at the beginning of the thing in the credits, they showed old photos of Willie Nelson. Like when I picture Willie Nelson, I picture Willie Nelson from, I guess, my lifetime, which is or, you know, yeah, the 90s, from, from him 80s and 60s. 90s to today. Yes. Yeah. With his braids Ponytail and his beard. And, yeah. They had pictures of Willie Nelson as a teenager and a 20 year old and a 30 year old and black and whites and before the beard and short cropped hair and my goodness, what a handsome man Willie Nelson ah. is when he's all shorn and young and full of vim and vigor. Mm-hmm. But it's also weird because I'm like, you're not Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson is a very old dude. <laughs> We're not going to talk about this too long because the second thing is so good. But a couple things that I wanted to talk about very okay. briefly. Jane Seymour started things off as mostly she was Jane Seymour. 
but she was on the set of Dr. Quinn and she kept on talking about like, like being now that you're 60, you're getting old. And so health is going to be of concern to you because she's Dr. Quinn. Oh (laughs) my gosh. It was this weird hybrid of like a happy birthday. Take good care of yourself and eat right. Because I'm Dr. Quinn. That's amazing. (laughs) That was how things started, right? Oh, that's great. And I bet the copy wasn't even written by a doctor. It was probably written by... Yeah, she may have just been like... Either TV writers or she may have been just like, I have an idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be Dr. Quinn. I've been doing this a while now. I think (laughs) I can... uh... So from that, we segue into Paul Simon. I was at her set last week. Were you? Yeah. Oh, how neat. It's called Paramount What's Ranch. What's she working on now? No, oh, not just, with uh, she has the a lady. Set. No, I mean when okay. I shot Dr. Quinn, the old cowboy town. Oh. It's open to the that's public. Very cool. It's a park out here. I did not realize. Yeah, they show uh, silent films at night twice a oh, year. Oh, that's fun. They're very boring. Anyway, Paul Simon. <laughs> Paul Simon comes out, and with Willie Nelson's band, he sings Graceland, or they all sing Graceland Ooh. together. Do you know that song? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. a really good song. I know I know it. I don't remember how. how's it go. What's the chorus? I'm going to Graceland, Graceland, Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, I'm maybe going I to don't. Graceland. That sounds so boring. Uh, <laughs> it's a great song. You you might not like it. It might not be for you. I'm sure it's great. I love Paul Simon. But, um, oh, he's great. He's wonderful. And, you know, it was funny because this happens all the time during shows, especially during duets, and especially, especially when there are guests. But Willie Nelson sang the first verse of Graceland, and then Paul Simon came on to sing the second verse, and he sings the first line of the second verse, and the crowd goes nuts. Right. You know, she comes back to tell me she's gone. Wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what you do. And look, I get it, and I know everybody's friends and stuff, but that's got to be weird for Willie on his birthday. (laughs) To just be like, hey, I just I just sang an entire verse and nobody really cared. This guy, I well, know he wrote the song. didn't he get song. a bunch of applause when it started? I'm sure. And he got applause later. But it must be a strange moment. Just be like, hey, I, I just, I sing in this song too. I guess I'm not very magnanimous. I'm not very willing to share uh, spotlight. Yeah, I don't know if so. everyone has the same chip Shut on up, I'm talking about this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if people know this, but Russ had a burgeoning music career. <laughs> <laughs> where he was slided several times <laughs> into various arenas. Oh, man. So, yeah, so that leads us into the opening credits. And, uh, by the way, Don was also performed on this, who was the co-writer of the Mad About You theme. Oh, cool. But we didn't get to him because B.B. King started talking and doing a talking head, which is like, oh, you're getting up there, Willie, but I'm 67, and so I'm older. And that was it from B.B. King, and that was it for me, and then I had to go. The other <laughs> thing that was on, I was just like, oh, I like this. I like this show, but is it funny? Let me see what's on ABC. And what was on ABC was a movie of the week. Yes. Called Deadly Relations. Uh-oh. John, it is my favorite thing <laughs> I have ever watched <laughs> Here we for go. this show. Here we go. Deadly Relations stars Robert Urich as Leonard Fago. It also has Shelley Fabray, who I believe was Mrs. Coach. I did not recognize her, but Jen did. You know the first guy's name? Robert Urich, yes. He was from Spencer for Hire, which I've never seen. But yes, I recognize the name. I don't know anything okay. he's been in. Okay. But I know he was a leading man. Leading man in the 70s and 80s. Sure, sure, sure. And Mrs. Coach, okay. Yes, Mrs. Coach. And Gwyneth Paltrow 
as one of their four daughters. Wow. And Matthew Perry as a son-in-law. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And... Wow, just a year before Friends. He looks very growing pains age. That's amazing. Um, And so he is a horribly strict father for these four girls and the acting and writing and pacing for this thing. It's directed by Bill Condon. That name ring a bell to you? He directed like Dream Girls and Gods and Monsters and stuff. He's a really good director who did a terrible job with this movie. (laughs) I had the best time, but it's they're from New Orleans and everybody's Southern and he is very strict. And loves his daughters very much, but he sells life insurance. And he wants his daughters (laughs) to be protected, but he also showers them with presents. Unless you cross him, if you don't have the bed made so that you can bounce a quarter off it, you don't get to go out. But also here, other daughter, here is the saddle that you wanted. And then we smash cut to the next scene where the daughter's boyfriend is coming over and he has proposed. And it is Matthew Perry. This all happens within the first five minutes. But the first thing that happens in this movie is a funeral for him. It's a military funeral. We start at the end. For Big Daddy? First, For Big Daddy. The first words of this thing are Gwyneth Paltrow in voiceover saying, I can still remember the first time my father talked to me about death. He said, when a person dies, Carol, he dies like a dog buried in a hole somewhere with only maggots for company. That's how this thing begins. <laughs> That is then we, gritty. It's gritty. <laughs> then we flash back. So, yeah, there's so many different marriages. There's divorces. Gwyneth Paltrow, there's a heart attack. He has a heart attack for no reason. And then Matthew we, Perry? You know, no, I'm sorry. Robert Urich has a heart attack. I think maybe the reason, Russ, is his arteries were clogged and it caused a <laughs> blockage. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Who knows why these things happen? But he's a furious father and he's stern and he doesn't like Matthew Perry. And so one day he gets Matthew Perry and he says, I'm going to buy you a boat. Oh, but also you just got to sign the bottom of this, uh, this insurance policy. I'm changing things up a little bit, get you a little bit of extra coverage. And then he goes out back with Matthew Perry to hang some stuff. And then he comes back and Matthew Perry doesn't. Because he killed Matthew Perry for the insurance money. No. Yes. That was my guess in my head, but I was like, no way. Nope, sure did. Gwyneth Paltrow goes off to college. She's going to be the only one to go to college. She comes back pregnant. The act of them going to college and her getting pregnant happens within five minutes. This all happens within the first 20 minutes of this movie, which is an hour and 15 minutes long. So in the middle of all this, they show a quick shot of the television. And guess what was on TV in that scene, John? Don't tell me mad about you. No. <laughs> oh. It was not. But the Willie was. Nelson special? <laughs> These are great guesses. The but you're going to love your. <laughs> this is like a, a best of for us, too. No. It was the Lucy show. Oh, okay. I am very surprised by that tepid response. Who cares? You care. I don't like the Lucy show. You only love I Love Lucy? Yeah. You are a lunatic and I'll never understand you. Oh, I'm no. not alone in that. Most people don't like the other ones. They just suffer no, through them. No, I know. It, oh, gosh. That is so funny that you are that specific about these. You're the best. Oh, my goodness. So, that specific? Anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of all the TV shows she did, I only like the one that is considered by everyone <laughs> the to most be one of the greatest thing. shows on television. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, yeah. So, he kills Matthew Perry. Then... With his other son-in-law, he goes in and goes hunting. Matthew Perry from the hit show Studio 60. (laughs) 
I loved Friends, so I guess I love that show, so too. So I guess I have to love everything. Even yeah. though I do. I do love Studio 60. Yeah, yeah. See? Shut up. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> you even love the new Odd Couple. I don't love it, but I do like it. <laughs> <laughs> so Robert Urick goes into the woods to go hunting with his son-in-law and his mistress. I'll get back to his mistress in a second. And he shoots off his own hand. Robert Yurick shoots off his own hand. Why? Because he took an insurance policy on himself. You get money so for get, a hand? You do if you insure it, baby. Oh, so he insured his hand. Yes, he insured so his hand. So this guy's like nuts about insurance money. Yes, he is an insurance salesman, an insurance guy. But yeah, he was just like, I killed Matthew Perry for the insurance. I shot off my own hand for the insurance. And um, yeah, is it because so, he's trying to like make sure they're taken care of in theory, but also he's a crazy person clearly because then he goes on to kill his second son in law too. like everybody gets murdered in this thing. People become pregnant. People have babies. So it's like an insurance slasher movie. Kind of. Yeah, it's an insurance slasher movie. Absolutely. Here's how Wikipedia describes it. It's the best. (sighs) Leonard Fago has four daughters and loves them so much that he usurps his control over them. He lets them know how he feels about the men they date. And if he disapproves of them, (laughs) he probably will have them killed to get them out of his daughter's life. That's the Wikipedia description <laughs> right now. It's written by someone who feels it's like they know him. Y- yes. Like, you know what he normally does? <laughs> he ends up killing him. <laughs> you know, probably. Yeah. He'll probably do this. I'd say 10 to 1. Oh. <laughs> He's going to kill his son-in-law. He has a mistress and one of his daughters catches him and his mistress in his truck and he's just like oh yeah she's gonna come by and uh help out with the gardening uh hey listen sweetie you probably shouldn't tell your mother about this because well that would make her mad and angry and well if you told her and it made her mad and angry well then that would be your fault because you told her so don't do that okay it's just like what the hell so it's a show about an awful father the awfulest father 100 and that's how it plays though right oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Oh, okay so Top it's just a movie about a horrible dad Yes, he is, it is very ham-fisted. It is very bad. It is very wonderful. Would you like to know how it ends, the last lines of this thing? Sure. Spoiler alert, everybody. Although it doesn't ruin it, and legitimately, you all should find this on YouTube. He had an insurance For policy ye- on a sled named Rosebud? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For years after he died, I'd have the same dream. <laughs> I would see Daddy in a park, and he was very much alive. I would run up to him and shout, Daddy, it's me. It's your daughter, Carol. And he'd look at me strangely and say, I'm sorry, young lady. I'm afraid you're mistaken. I have no daughters. Wow. (laughs) Deadly Relations, the best. Also, silver medal winner, Willie Nelson, the big (laughs) 6-0. What a dilemma. What to watch. Oh, what a joy it would be to be flipping between those two things that night. Yeah, that's oh. true. That's a that's not a bad Saturday night in 1993. Oh, what a fun. What a fun way to. Uh, I watched half of that this morning before work and then was just like when I came home, I was just like, OK, Jen, we got to speed through the first 45 minutes of this because you have to watch the last 45 with me <laughs> or however the math played out. So it's on YouTube. It is on YouTube. It is streamable, but also it's um crummy YouTube recording that's also like it feels like two thirds of the screen if you know what I'm talking about where like it's in a window that's smaller than the actual window mm-hmm. because it's illegal but yeah oh, do it also you can buy it for $20 on DVD wow 
I do love when that when I that's one one of my favorite price points. Yeah. Where the DVD comes out and you just know they were like, you know what? No one's gonna buy this. <laughs> just make it twenty. <laughs> oh man, what oh what was in the news? Dateline. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. Whole wheat taste in a whole new light. <laughs> by Florence Fabricant. Hey, Fabricant's back. She's back, baby, with <laughs> a vengeance. Whole wheat has all the attributes of nutritional correctness. It's rich in vitamins and high in fiber. On the debit side of the culinary ledger, however, it has flavor that is far more aggressive and rustic than refined white flour, and its texture is rougher and heavier. Fortunately, whole wheat is available in various forms. Flour, pasta, and whole wheat berries that can be cooked like beans. What? You've really nailed the fabricant tone. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, yeah, I picture her on a kitchen stool in shadows smoking a cigarette. Yeah, she's wearing a fedora. Yeah. She's Robert Stack. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did you hear that last part? Whole wheat berries that can be cooked like beans? That's not a thing. It was, apparently. I refuse. Unless, are they like, that's not like grape nuts, is it? I don't think it's like the cereal grape nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I... I just didn't know if she was being, like, hyperbolic. I think she's using berry in the most liberal sense. Sure. Uh, you talk, Do you mean liberal berries like snowflakes? <laughs> oh, everybody's a liberal berry. Oh, Everyone's a whole wheat berry. I can't offend your delicate whole wheat berry sensibilities. Oh, here she explains what they are. Wheat berries, the whole husked but unground kernels of wheat... Need soaking to soften them before cooking. They can be prepared in much the same manner as dried beans and used in salads or as a side dish. They retain an appealingly chewy texture. In the wheat berry salad that follows, the mushrooms, which are roasted before being added to the salad, contribute a rich earthiness to the mixture. So it's a recipe article. Anyway. I Great. Just... Also, that's disgusting. They're just like, they're the, these whole wheat berries maintain an appealing chewy texture. Yeah. Ooh, the chewy texture of a whole wheat berry. Oh, you, what are you talking you about? Don't want to this sit is down disgusting. and eat a chewy wheat uh, mushroom salad? <laughs> oh, I love the uh, chewy wheat and mushroom salad, please. And uh, you know what? That give bring me two of those. Excuse me, waiter. This wheat mushroom salad, it's not too crisp or crunchy, <laughs> is it? <laughs> No, sir. It's vi- it's strictly chewy. Great. Okay. Like, like a pack of gum. Are we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh, thumbs down. Giuliani. Gr- gr- more, the more fabricant, the better. Keep them coming. <laughs> Giuliani's endorsed by New York Liberal Party. Okay. Calling Rudolph Giuliani the best antidote to the clubhouse mentality pervading City Hall, New York's Liberal Party yesterday picked him as its candidate for mayor providing him with its line on the ballot and political benefits that may far exceed the party's 26,000 voters registered citywide. Huh. Look at that. He's, you never know. It says uh, he was quick to flourish the endorsement as proof of his claim to be running as a non-ideological fusion candidate in the tradition of John Lindsay and Fiorello H. LaGuardia. What's your favorite non-ideological fusion restaurant? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I've ever been in one that didn't seem to have a pretty clear agenda. <laughs> So hard to answer, but (laughs) I mean, I've never been in one where I didn't feel it was rife with political tension. Sure, sure. You go into an Asian fusion place and you're just like, can't we just eat in peace? (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, God. <laughs> Wonderful. Chipotle? <laughs> Great answer. I think that did it. Yeah. I don't know if that's yeah. really fusion. It's just sort of like, yeah, we took your food and softened it a little. Yeah. We, <laughs> we made normally Mexican food pretty disgusting and also enormous and highly edible. Yeah, I'm not a big uh, Chipotle fan. People go nuts for that place. I don't hate I, it, but people go nuts. I enjoy Chipotle a lot. Oh, see, so you're one of those people. I enjoy it enough that it's like a, I remember the first time oh I had it. It's gosh. like that kind of a thing. Wow. But I, like. One of my old college so Chipotle roommates. Chipotle and sex. Yeah. What'd you say? Yeah, Chipotle. Uh, well, funny you should link the two. No. Um. I don't remember the first time I had sex. <laughs> oh, man. Dinkins campaign headquarters discloses computer tampering. Oh, my. Someone broke in and deleted a bunch of campaign <laughs> financing files. It also made it look like Giuliani was popular with liberals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, David. Things, things do not look good. Dinkins? <laughs> yeah, Dinkins not not gonna this may not pan out the way you would hope, sir. <laughs> well, we'll see. We have till November. Take it easy. We'll see. Well, that's true. There are many months. Don't prejudge. <laughs> I shouldn't. <laughs> Dateline. <laughs> Go ahead. Hero wounded in a subway mugging downplays his bravery. We all remember Another the subway one? hero? Yeah. He jumped on that. Uh, Mugger's back and got stabbed four times in the yeah. all over his body. Yeah, we're still working on getting him on the podcast. Yeah, Christian Federolf. Yeah, I googled him. Nothing. Uh-huh. Uh Yeah, so he might be harder to track down than that. I guess, <laughs> and that's pretty sweepstakes. Much... <laughs> no, let's not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sweepstakes slash manhunt. Whoever can but... hunt this guy down <laughs> and coerce him into being on our podcast, <laughs> we'll give you a shout out. <laughs> Bounty about you. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, oh, you know what? Matt, a bounty you. There it is. <laughs> oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm embarrassed about the first version of that. Anyway, what's up with him? Well, so he was a 24-year-old Hunter College student. Said uh-huh. he emerged from his hospital bed yesterday and disavowed the hero's mantle with the aw shucks gallantry of a real-life Gary Cooper. Quote, what I did doesn't make me a hero. Christian Federolf, who had been stabbed four times, told reporters in a battery of television cameras in New York Hospital. Shy, soft-spoken, seemingly bewildered by a world given to wonderment and what he considered an ordinary act of decency, he added, what I did makes me a human being. I helped someone who needed help. It wasn't heroic. And then this is my favorite twist. Until now, I didn't know that. Oh, wait, that wasn't it. (laughs) 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 Oh, this is actually annoying. He said, until now, I didn't know that everybody wouldn't act the same way. Oh, it's, I, mm, it's a downplaying that's borderline irritating. Suddenly he's blaming the rest of society. Yeah, I didn't do anything special. Isn't everyone like this? Yeah. Until now, I thought that uh, you all would do this, too. But now I guess you're all monsters and I'm the only <laughs> decent person. Huh? Yeah. You know it, what? I don't want this guy on our podcast anymore. <laughs> Invitation Rebel. Oh, he's a classic New York hero. Come on. He said, I never knew there was a weapon. And I didn't know that I was stabbed until I couldn't get up. Yeah, I'm sorry. The bloom is off this roast. (laughs) The woman he saved said, I just wanted to see him and to thank him, said Miss Queeley, who had been cut on the leg in the struggle with the mugger. Though her Mm. two-year-old son, Alex, was uninjured. Well, good. I'm glad that he was... uh... 
able to meet her and that she was able to thank him. That is good. She said, I think it's really funny that all the macho men were standing up at the top of the stairs and it was Chris who comes flying down like Superman, which is a little insulting. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. Like, what does she mean? Like, this little fairy comes prancing down. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> this wheat berry, this liberal berry <laughs> comes uh, <laughs> rolling down the steps. Not a real man. Rolling down the steps. <laughs> oh, my God. You wouldn't see him coming, I tell you. I'm shocked. That's so funny. Ooh, will they be friends? Quote, what better friend could you get than one who saved your life? Miss Queeley said, fingering the gold chain at her neck, the one the mugger didn't get away with. I don't think it will end. It's not a one-day thing. Interesting. Yeah. I would be shocked if they ever saw each other again. So would I. <laughs> this city moves too fast for this relationship to blossom. Yeah. <laughs> Although, what a great story for their kids, huh? <laughs> Oh. Yeah, that's right. In my version of this, I'm not sure where the father of her child is in the picture, but she leaves him for her savior. Savior, yeah. Like a Hallmark yeah. movie. Yeah, he's a real home wrecker, this guy. Yeah, <laughs> you really hate this guy. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> dateline, final dateline. Go ahead. In growing piles, dead tires haunt New York. Oh, no. New Yorkers have endured more than their share of latter-day urban plagues, from graffiti and street crime to car alarms that go off in the middle of the night. <laughs> now Holy come cow. tires, thousands upon thousands of them, in tumble-down piles and vacant lots, scattered beneath elevated highways like steel-belted donuts, baking to a vulcanized doneness in the warm spring air. John, the way you are reading this has, like, a horror movie starring tires going through my head just like you know an elevator door opens and there's just like a stack of four tires on the ground i mean this was a real issue though which is so funny that it's one of those new york quirky weird problems those weird problems you get when a city's that big yeah there were just tires everywhere and i think they raised the prices on disposing of them like the recycling of the tires was too expensive and landfills stopped accepting them and people just started, unfortunately, driving up to the South Bronx and dumping them. Oh, geez. Like from all over the city. So I'll pi- tell you what I'd do is I'd give them away as gifts. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday. It's too old tired. <laughs> well, you never know. You never know what you're going to need. <laughs> yeah. So like ideally when a customer buys new tires, a dealer disposes of the old ones by paying a reputable tire processor who can charge a dollar or more to haul each tire away. And that cost is usually passed on directly to the customer. So the processor then grinds up the tires, pays a recycler to take them away, or pays a fee to have them placed in a landfill. But to avoid the costs that the processors charge, some tire repair shops and garages have turned to an underground economy in which anyone with a truck and a strong back can cart away their tires at a cut rate. And that's when the tires decided to take their city back. Well, they said these people would just... Nicholas Lugo, 16, said he'd seen many men dump junk tires in his neighborhood in the Fordham section of the Bronx, even in plain view. He says they just look both ways and woof, they're gone. Then one night at 11.30 at night, my doorbell rang. I opened it and looked around, but I didn't see anything. Closed the door, then it rang again. I came back again looking for somebody. Then I looked down. Next thing I know, I'm up to my neck in rubber, speeding down the George Washington <laughs> Bridge at 60 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh. Anyway. Okay, good. Yeah, so tires, We're going to write this, this thing. A, a plague in 93. <laughs> it seems that way. Holy cow. And, and we all know the site. I mean, I pass them now any time I visit, you know, like in Harlem. Sure. You'll see a vacant lot that just has stacks of tires. Yeah. Wow. People were starting to sell them. Two gypsy cabs stopped to inquire about Mr. Benjamin's tires. They sold for five bucks a piece. Five bucks a piece. That's, you know what? That, That's a steal. If you can find... If you can find tires for five bucks a piece, you take those tires. It's a steal. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, yeah, it's sort of a hodgepodge, but that's all the news that's fit to print this week. I love it. Beautiful. Uh, Alrighty, do we have, uh, Rue, we... John. Huh? No, nothing. What were you saying? Should we have announced the sweepstakes winners, or should we do that at the end? Let's do it now. Okay. Can I do the sweepstakes? Please do. All right. Da-da-da-da-da. Uh, we would like to award... <laughs> One mad about mad about you sweepstakes shout out. It's happening to Alistair Reed, woohoo! Who on Facebook was able to decode the message that was on Sherman the Painter's shirt in episode twenty-one. Boy, does this he did sound a great job! Very dorky. Now that I'm saying it out loud, but and granted, we were close. We were like, something's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. And we Alistair, could not figure out what that first word was. And he cracked it with his family. He credited the whole family, which is sweet. It's mm-hmm. art. Art is a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. Yep. Not only was Alistair able to read it, he then found the shirt for sale Indeed. online. Yes. So if anyone wants that shirt, go buy it. Yeah. <laughs> the link's if you, if you want Facebook that shirt, page. if you want that shirt, tweet at John. Yeah, and, and I'll say, tell Russ I to go want buy that one. shirt. <laughs> Alistair, bang up job. Thanks Thank for you, playing. Sir. Thanks for winning. Mm-hmm. We have fun here on the show with the games. Okay. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Second one. We have two sweepstakes winners this week. Second one is a friend granted. So full disclosure, conflict of interest, I suppose. But also, <laughs> almost nobody plays these at all. So anyone that submits is a winner in my yes. book, unless they're way yes. off. Friends, family, whoever, by all means, but play. <laughs> this is uh, Mr. Brett Oresco. At Elbretto on Twitter tweeted at us a dinosaur joke. I don't know if you guys remember this. And to be honest, the dinosaur, dinosaur popsicle sweepstakes. Yeah, how do, I don't even remember how this came up. To be honest, uh, well, uh, we were talking about mad about you, and then <laughs> I asked, <laughs> you don't remember the the famous dinosaur popsicle episode of mad about you yeah isn't that funny i have no idea why we came up with the sweepstakes but i think you all remember it if you listen to the podcast sure well the joke is russ question what car does a dinosaur drive what kind of car does a dinosaur drive well i don't know john what kind of car does a dinosaur drive a model t-rex pretty good pretty good pretty good the prize as promised yeah as pro yeah as as a prize first of all we are mentioning you and talking about you here on the podcast thank you brett hello secondly as i said I will submit that to the Popsicle Company to hopefully have it included as a Popsicle Stick joke. This is my solemn vow to you. That's big. And we know even if they publish it on a stick, it it won't hold a candle to being shouted out on the podcast in the middle of a two-hour episode. Yeah. (laughs) This is the peak. This is your peak. So... It would be amazing if they published a joke. It would be pretty cool. From a listener, and then we took credit. Well, yeah, I'm going to attribute myself. Yeah. Or I'm just going to say, Model T Rex, listen to Mad About Mad About You. Yeah. All one word, like no spaces. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bob, we out of baby eats a boy. That old bit. (laughs) 
well, those were the sweepstakes winners from this week or whatever the last since the last we recorded. So, so yeah, those are recent. Those are the sweepstakes winners from past and present. So thank you guys for playing. We do honestly love the sweepstakes uh, segment of the show, and we don't have it that mm-hmm. often because not everyone plays every week. Because that's the way it works sometimes. I but know. We're glad that you did, and I th- I take that as a challenge to uh, find more interesting sweepstakes to play. Ooh. Also, yeah, let's do that. I throw that word out there a lot, and then don't end up tweeting the photo that I uh, the sweep stakes is to identify so that's on me yeah i blame you for most things or so you fits. no it's you okay fair <laughs> let's get into the show let's do that all right this let's episode home <laughs> was you always skip the director and the writer like you have no respect for the crew i'm sorry go ahead can we not can we not do this can we not <laughs> fight about this in front of all these people well i try to bring it up and you're never in the mood to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> go ahead please tell us oh, it's about directed by your director. favorite guy the burger king BK man himself, Barnett Kelman. Mm, home of the Whopper. <laughs> home of the wa- home of the Whopper uh, three camera. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, he ends this episode with a real Whopper of a shot. Oh, he sure does. He sure does. And it was written by Sally Lapidus and Pamela Eels, who you'll recognize from uh, Token Friend, Love Among the Tiles, and your favorite, Russ, the Jerry Lewis billionaire episode. I'll tell you what, those two, they did a great job here today. They really, I thought this was the most, uh, this was the first time they got to do like a very normal episode. Yes, it was, it was, they did a really nice job. Yeah, nothing super unusual happened. For sure. It was uh, fun to, fun to see. Yes. And uh, cold open. Agreed. None. No cold open. No cold open. Right into the theme. Right in. First time, first time I can remember. I think there was another time. I said first time I could remember. Well, to be fair, I said I think, and I can't remember the first time, but I have a feeling. Also, I can't remember anything, so. (laughs) Well, remember this. Scene one, (laughs) we're in the kitchen. Ah, it's all coming back to me. Jamie's cooking dinner. Fran is at the house. Yes, she's in the living room, in the other room. Mm -hmm. And for those who maybe skipped last week or, or don't remember what happened in the last episode before this one, Mark and Fran split up. Mark leaves Fran, and we watch yeah. them through Paul and Jamie's window. They're on the street, and they get into separate cabs. Yes. So we know that they're going through a separation right now. All we know is that that's what happened last week. Yeah. If we go by typical Mad oh, About You right. logic, yes. it's entirely possible that this episode could start off with Mark and Fran just being fine. Yes. But that's not what happened. The first episode, I think, that where it's like serialized. Yes, I, I agree. And what's kind of cool was, is... I mean, that's, that's neat. It's also neat because they do it without it to be continued. Yes, you know? that's very true. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely. Yeah, these last two episodes definitely feel like uh, a two-parter. Indeed, even though they were not indicated as such, or I don't think they were packaged as such. No, definitely not. Yeah. So Jamie's cooking dinner as she uh, does now. Right. <laughs> She's come a long way since the pilot with her uh, mm-hmm. culinary skills. They both have. Mm-hmm. Friends in the living room, depressed, and uh, Paul finds their wedding album in the fridge. Yes. And it's because Jamie's <laughs> hiding it from Fran. She wanted to find it to make her feel bad about her marriage. No, I don't know where it normally is. That it would right. Be so... Don't you feel like wherever it probably normally lives, it's more likely to not be found than in the place that Fran always looks. Yeah. Because she I mean, loves now, helping look, out in the kitchen. Yeah. I remember. You know my parents now granted they've been together for a year at this point but my parents they had their wedding album but it was like in a back room in a closet sort of thing mm-hmm. it wasn't just like oh well a friend comes over she's going to find the wedding album right yeah i mean i would yeah. i would have assumed it was either i bet it was in their bookshelf or their bedroom yeah and if i was gonna Probably hide it i would put it in like their sock drawer right yeah <laughs> not the refrigerator not the refrigerator. Oh, oh yeah, put it put it under your bed. Great, another great one. 
though you got yeah. Murray to contend with, so you know. Sure, and he Murray brings things out of the bedroom and plops them on the side of that couch all the time. Oh, as it, we know, and, and those are socks, of course. So maybe that's a more dangerous spot than I thought. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> They don't have a, we find out they don't have a cake eating pick in their album from the wedding. Right. It is a big regret of Jamie's. Yeah. Because Paul criticized the photographer so much that it sounds like he quit. That he quit. Yes. Yeah. And Paul calls him a quitter. Yeah. <laughs> so Jamie sends Paul back out in the living room to keep Fran, you know, busy, which I'm sure is Paul's nightmare. Right. Because like, what do you say? What do you say in general? What do you say to a person who's not really your friend? Yeah. It's all hard. It's brutal. He's willing to do it. He is. And uh, Fran says she's fine, but she's clearly depressed about Mark leaving her. Right. And uh, Jamie comes in with the food. Thank God. (laughs) And, (laughs) well, you know it's coming. It's different this time, granted, but Fran points out how lucky they are. (laughs) The earliest, the earliest, most... Normally, the boy, you two are really lucky comes at the end so that we are reminded of this as we go out. And that is our denouement here. It's just like apropos of very little right at the beginning. You two sure are lucky to have each other. Well, because she's mourning. Oh, I I get it. It makes sense dramatically. It was just like I was just definitely like, whoa, that was early. Yeah, it was. It was. You know, that makes it. Paul suddenly feels a little self-conscious like he's rubbing it in. So he tries to tone it down a bit. (laughs) Here we go, and I didn't forget you, Murray. Oh, you two are so lucky. Lucky to be so happy. Oh, no, we're not. We're not that happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people think that. It's a cover. Really, you know, I, I'd say we're happy maybe 30% of the time. Less. Maybe even less. I feel like he ripped my insides out with a crowbar. I'm an abandoned shell. I'm, I'm like one of those cars on the side of the Long Island Expressway. I'll get the wine. Mm-hmm. 30% of the time. 30% of the time. Francis is like, 30. yeah, so the, the LIE comparison right. makes me feel like Fran is like that car from last week's. <laughs> you and Gary were behind. Yeah. <laughs> That's very funny. Oh, man, I wish you could have seen that car, John. I, picturing that car made me laugh so hard. And then Gary's lack of understanding of basic physics. <laughs> Was astounding. Oh, this thing's gonna fall into a million pieces. Let me stay behind it. I should probably be behind it. <laughs> uh, for those who missed it, go listen to last week's episode. It's a doozy. It's a live episode from a well. It's not live. You know what I mean. Anyway, yeah, Gary and I drove home from Long Island and recorded an episode in the car talking about seeing Paul Reiser and uh, we mostly talk about our commute but uh, honestly yeah, guys it, they talk about their commute so for, much that it's for too a much. joke too much of the time it's was spent so talking funny. about the commute Gary literally goes through all the different possible routes from New Jersey to Long Island starting with there the Verrazano Bridge and going all the way up to George Washington <laughs> And, then you and guys now talk we're going over it again now. Forever. <laughs> it's so funny. Because it's, it's just so unfiltered. So, it is unfiltered. It is. Uh, look, we give you the straight. Unedited. Dope. Yeah. Yeah. Uninteresting. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> we could be on HBO. Absolutely. Is that a reference? No. It's just uh, unfiltered, unedited. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like Oz. We say the <laughs> F word. <laughs> They don't, though. Don't, don't worry. We, we don't. We do not. <laughs> Never on this podcast. The F word is falling asleep during this podcast. 
Uh, so Paul heads back into the kitchen and Fran apologizes to sort of give Fran and Jamie some time alone. And, you know, probably because he's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> yes, he's escaping. Yeah, he's just, oh, well put. So Fran apologizes about sleeping with Sherman again, Jamie's uh, ex-boyfriend. Right. And Jamie's totally over it. But then Fran makes a filthy joke. It was stupid. It was really, really stupid, but it was really, really great. <laughs> I remember. Doesn't he have a gorgeous chest? Who noticed? Most of the time I was facing the pillow. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Jamie looks so shocked. Whoa. Right? It's so good. Well, look. That's a great joke, but also Jamie saying, you are my idol. I'm like, oh, Jamie. Yeah, it's like, what oh, is she, a, a literal missionary? I... <laughs> Come on, you guys. I know, Paul, you know. What's going on? Yeah. What's buy... going on, you two? <laughs> Go to the Strand, buy a book. <laughs> Live a little. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure in eight miles of books, there's at least a few feet about this subject. <laughs> So with oh, Paul man. in the kitchen still, Fran uh, admits now it all sort of comes out. You know, Fran can open up. She misses yes. Mark. She doesn't want to be a burden right. to Paul and Jamie. Right. Ryan wants the little mermaid to be his mommy. Yeah, he's at Disney World right now. Mm-hmm. That little monster. Here's a question for you. I know that I would like to see Mark and Fran get back together. Uh-huh. I do not know how that turns out. I would sacrifice Mark and Fran's relationship if it meant that we never had to see Ryan again. How about you? Well, I tell you what I think happens. I don't remember for sure, though. Mm-hmm. I think Mark takes a life insurance policy out on Ryan and then kills oh, no. him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot about yeah. that. And then uh, buries. he digs a hole, fills it with a dead dog and a bunch of maggots. <laughs> Something like that. By the way, after Robert Urich shoots off his own hand, he winds up with a hook for a hand before the end of the movie. <laughs> I'm telling you, you have to watch this thing. Oh, I won't. Anyway, (laughs) uh, so Jamie starts to wonder where Paul is, and she goes into the kitchen and catches him just reading the paper, which I get, though. I would leave them alone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You need a moment or two. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Because Fran needs to feel comfortable. Well, Fran needs to feel comfortable, and Paul needs to feel comfortable, or Paul wants to feel comfortable, and he doesn't want to deal with all of their stuff. I mean, I guess that's true, but I would say if it was more helpful for him to be out there, then he needs to uh, get over it. You're giving Paul a lot of credit for being much more understanding and helpful than I think he's doing. I think he is dodging conflict when you're just like, he's giving friends. Yeah, you're right. I'm like, no, he does not want to be in there. What are you talking about? He's perfect. (laughs) So Paul and Jamie then say that they. Jamie makes a comment about Fran and about that night being very difficult with Fran and Jamie comments about how you think tonight is bad tomorrow is going to be even worse and Paul says what happens tomorrow and all that happens as they are walking out of the kitchen right he's got a new he's got he's carrying a platter back out to yes with with food on it yes and as they walk out oh yeah go ahead yeah when they walk into the living room they are wearing different clothes They are carrying different dishes, and Fran is no longer there. Mark is there. It is a wonderful directorial move. Ah, that is a whopper of a move by the Burger King himself. (laughs) Burger King, we give you 10 large fries for that move. It is a B... (laughs) Brother. (laughs) I don't know. That one was too far for me. 
That's not a thing. <laughs> ten large fries? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it also sounds like you mean you find the ten biggest French fries? <laughs> oh, it's really? going to catch on. Hey, anyone ever think about that? About what? What if instead of small, medium, and large French, what, what if instead of meaning the container size, it referred to the actual length of the fries? And small <laughs> fries were the same number, but short ones. Medium were the same number, but medium ones. And large ones were the same number of fries, but long ones. You get 30 fries, and what changes? You get 30 fries, period. Yes, And period. what changes is the size of the fry. Yes. Well, John, I love this idea. I don't. It's very hard to execute, but I think it's interesting to think about. <laughs> John, I think if there was one word to describe the feeling of what it is to think about that, it's interesting. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so now we're uh, we walk. They literally walk into tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well said. And uh, it's Mark there now, and they're doing the same routine. And we first we learn that Mark is almost forty, so we get the age. Yeah. Very yeah. successful couple, but also. What a relief to hear 40 and not say 35. That is true. Yeah. I assume he's 39. I'd say, yeah, he's probably 38, 39. Yeah, I guess he could be 38. (laughs) For sure. Anyway, so he tells them his dreams and plans for, well, he, his main thesis is that he feels like an infant in the world because he never really got out there and lived. You know, he went to college, he went to medical school, he got married, he had a kid, he's a doctor. Yeah, he did everything exactly how he was supposed to and didn't have any time to do anything else. Yeah. Just, he did, you know, he lived the American dream as prescribed, A, B, C, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so then he, uh, he expresses his dreams now for his new life. <laughs> Paul, this has nothing to do with Fran. This is about me. Now, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. Do what? What are you going to do? Shoot the rapids. Go to Carnival in Rio. Uh, a dance on the Great Wall of China. Well, I don't think they allow that. What? Wall dancing. <laughs> They're very much against that, the Chinese. Wait, you know what I'm going to do first? I'm going to ride cross-country, just like they did in the Easy Rider. You bought a motorcycle? No, Range Rover. <laughs> Can't ride a motorcycle. I don't have an ass. Yeah. What is shoot? I mean, I get what it is, but have you ever heard of shooting the rapids? Yes. That is the thing that you do on the rapids is you shoot them. Okay. That's not the best description. I had no idea. But then you, then again, you didn't ask me to describe it. You said, have you ever heard of shooting the rapids? Yeah, so I don't I'll care. Just say, I don't need a description. Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Carnival. Dance on the Great Wall of China. I would pay a million really bucks silly. to see Mark Devitt out dance on the Great Wall of China. Very, very silly. And, uh, I, the ass move. I feel like we never see Mark silly. a little self-conscious or um, self-aware. Yeah, that is true. He does. Uh, he tends to. He's got a great big ego. Is the wrong word. He's got a lot of confidence. Yes, he's self-assured. Yeah. Normally, that would just be like you know. Oh, I don't like. I don't like motorcycles. They're not for me. Yeah, or, or even more like, <laughs> have you driven in a Range Rover? It's fantastic. Right. Yeah. The AC sure. blows your hair back like Claudia Schiffer. John, you're a very good writer. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, Mark is going to go cross country just like in The Easy Rider. <laughs> so the next scene, we're back at Buckman Studios. We haven't been there in a long time. It's good to be back. And so is Stephen Wright. Indeed. Uh, Warren. Sure. Well, yes, Warren Mermelman. Yeah, that's right. Warren Mermelman. And Paul's on the phone describing his uh, describing his wedding cake. We immediately are like, it's a very passive way of telling us, which was fun. Yes. 
it's like it's a it's a it's a neat little game that they play. Yeah, where it's clear, it's like oh, he's planning. He a you're like oh, he must be planning a surprise party mm-hmm. for their anniversary, and b he's gonna recreate the cake photo that they never got. It's very fun, which is very like primo gift. Very thoughtful. Very thoughtful. Couldn't believe how thoughtful it was in general, and coming from him in particular. Okay, can we try not to dump all over him? <laughs> Look, if you want me to dump all over him, I will. Okay, because he's wearing yet another vest in this scene. And I've got some thoughts about it. No, I didn't even notice. He is, but I don't have thoughts on it. It's Except just a vest. one. I'm immune to them. Yeah. I, I see that they're there and I let them pass over me. <laughs> Stephen Wright knows all the cake lingo. Uh, the cake had this frosting with little, like white, frosty, little swirly, squiggly, flowery things. Rosettes. <laughs> Rosettes. Yes. Uh, no, it wasn't white. It was off-white, like a... Not beige. Ecru. <laughs> Ecru? Is that a color? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, not so much layers, per se, but... Uh, tears. 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 <laughs> cake had tears. And all you got to do is just recreate that cake. And I'll tell you, if you pull this off, Mirko, I'm going to make a nice donation to your war-torn country. <laughs> You bet. Thank you. Did you? Okay, so I guess it's it's this old brand of joke, which I kind of like, even though maybe it's arguably uh, <laughs> not okay now. I don't know. Do you think that uh, war-torn joke is okay still? It is borderline. It's borderline. And I yes. like the border. It's uh, yeah. It's like a fun passive reminder that the world is big. Right. It's me. Though it's, it's also making of fun shows. of a war. So, I, you know, I, it's dicey. Yeah. yeah, I'm like. But it's a sitcom, it's, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's borderline, and I liked it, but other people totally couldn't. Right. I would understand that, but I would feel bad about liking it. But they're not on this podcast, so here we are. I'm pretty sure it's a Bosnia joke. I think so, too. And his name was Mierko. Oops. What? That's true. No, no, no. Just like, just ooh, the fact that it's just like, oh, yeah, that's right. It is a Bosnia. Putting it more in context. Oh, it's becoming real now to you? Yeah, I'm just like, ooh, this was making a Bosnia war-torn country joke as Bosnia was being torn by a war. I put myself, rather than like reflecting back and being like, oh, that's kind of funny in an abstract way. Suddenly I was just like, oh, wait, nope, that is no longer an okay joke. <laughs> yeah, no, there was a ethnic cleansing going on. Yes. Oh. Russ. Yeah, John. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I'm glad I'm the bad guy again. <laughs> no, I've. I've firmly been on the right side of this joke the entire conversation. <laughs> Moving on. Is there any way? Is there any way that we could make the real villain of this story that subway hero again? <laughs> I can't believe everyone didn't think it was a bad, inappropriate joke. <laughs> My reaction was totally normal for a person, but the fact that not everyone reacted the way I did, well, yeah, I guess I just you all have to that live anybody, with yourselves. Anybody with an empathetic heart would be able to. Uh, <laughs> Put themselves in the shoes of one of those people without any home or without any food. Or unless you're, I don't know, Russell Fader, who lives in the future, who uh, doesn't (laughs) seem to really care about life or death or families. (laughs) (laughs) So then Connie, we remember Connie, Megan Fay, Mm -hmm. the uh, neurotic assistant, comes in uh, holding coffee and bagels that she distributes. And apparently she's uh, rather late. Connie, and I, and I say this not to be critical. Yeah, just a little bit late again. I'm sorry. One of my cats was feeling isolated. Okay, yeah, but still six hours. Well, I... I can't take all this shouting. 
I feel like the six hours gets a little glossed over in the scene. They move right on to other things. Yeah, the audience yeah, doesn't react. No. Or doesn't have time to. Because <laughs> uh, it's well, yeah, funny. She's, she's making big choices. Because what did she... Well, because he says six hours late, and she follows it up by saying one of my cats was feeling isolated, yeah. which is so funny. Yes. I mean, she reminds me of... <laughs> oh, this is a weird one. Uh-oh. No, no. It doesn't make sense in a timeline, and I wish it did. Do you remember Meadow's roommate from The Sopranos? <laughs> sure. What's her mm-hmm. name? Allie Larder or whatever. She's on that uh, Showtime show now. I believe you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you remember her problem was she felt too much. Yes. And that's why New York was overwhelming because she'd go out and she'd mm-hmm. see a homeless person and she'd feel so much empathy that it was overwhelming and borderline mm-hmm. destructive. And mm-hmm. I feel like she grew up into Connie. <laughs> yeah, there's a through line there. Absolutely. Because I think I think that's Connie's main. Like Connie feels so much. It's overwhelming and turns you into a, a neurotic like lunatic who can't function in the real world. Yes. That's my uh, dime store psychoanalysis. I like it. Thank you. I think you're right. Thank you. I'm Lucy from Peanuts. <laughs> or whichever one had the thing. Anyway. It was Lucy. Oh, So, yes. Yeah, so, Stephen Wright, <laughs> Stephen Wright decides he can't work with all this shouting, which is a real funny thing to say. And then he follows it up with, she's really messed up. She's out of her mind. I burn for her. Yeah, he loves, they, they go back to that pattern of him from the billionaire, of him being attracted to what he perceives as uh, trouble in a right. prospective romantic partner. Mm-hmm. Boy, was and that. doing so with the funniest words. Yes. She has a very fun job here, and she does it very well, I think, because basically she has to be incredibly specific mm-hmm. in her like choices while maintaining like an incredibly vague. Yes, we don't know what's wrong with yeah, her. Yeah, we never know, but everything she does is very weirdly specific. Yes, it's very funny. Yeah. She's very good. It's a very annoying character, but she's very good at it. Do you remember the actress's name again? Yeah, it's uh, Megan Fay. She was uh, most recently the mom in La La Land. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. She was in Magnolia. I I remember. remember A bunch of Coen Brothers movies. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I hope I remember this person's name, Megan Fay, in the future because she is great. Yeah, she really is. Oh, so then we get to the end of the scene. And, oh, well, Paul's, well, yeah, when, when uh, Warren's like, he burns for her, Paul's like, oh, you should invite her to the anniversary party. Uh-huh. And he goes, I'm going to play with her head like a drunk kitten. And that is 100% improvised. Yeah, because Paul laughs. Paul Reiser just breaks and laughs. Yeah. And earlier in that scene, Stephen Wright, I'm pretty sure has, look, I'm sure that everything is written, but he gets to give a good old-fashioned Stephen Wright joke where he says, if you're married for a million years, does your wedding album go platinum? Yes, that was such, it felt right out of his act. Yeah, that's great. That's great, great, great. This line, though, at the end feels like, I, I'm like, what am I, in a Neil LeBute play all of a sudden? <laughs> I'm going to play with her head like a drunk. Yeah, the, he just he just made this strange yeah. Wordplay joke. And then he's like, I'm going to play with her head like a drunk kitten. It's like, what? Yeah. And then if Uh-oh. you were to ask why, he'd be like, because that's what guys do. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what guys do. Oh, gosh. Men are the worst. <laughs> we cut to the bedroom. Yeah. the be- Ooh, it's that night in the Buckman mm-hmm. apartment. Mm-hmm. And Jamie is reaching across the bed, across Paul. Yeah. Sleeping to grab Paul. the. Yes, to grab the telephone and pulls it back Which, Russ, to her ear. I know yes. people say this all the time, but this wouldn't happen if they had cell phones. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The show or even could, cordless phones. The show would not work. Yeah. The show would huge, not have worked. The show as we know huge, it. Yeah, huge plot holes. Yeah. Because <laughs> without the cord, Paul doesn't wake up. <laughs> <laughs> and then he can't 
punch Biff at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. <laughs> they dis- Michael J. Fox disappears from that picture. <laughs> then what? And the cake appears. Okay. <laughs> so she pulls this cord across his face. He yells, giant squid, giant squid, <laughs> and wakes up. It's very funny. He was having a dream. He was at SeaWorld. Yeah. Jamie wants to cancel their party. Yeah. She doesn't want to rub because, it in. Yeah, because of Mark and Friend's marital problems. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the deeper issue, which is she's still very concerned, which she was last episode, too, that w- what if this happens to us? Yes. And Paul assures her it won't. This is often the conflict which, or the worry. It was the worry at the end of last week's episode and during most of last week's episode. And as we'll learn soon, it was the worry in the pilot. Oh, right. But that's all I'll say about that for the time being. What what do you Um, mean? What do I mean about what? We all saw the pilot. Oh, yeah. No, I know we all saw the pilot. We can say that. Well, I'm just saying that it was the. uh, Well, there there are more similarities to the pilot pending. Ah, sure, sure. Oh, yes. I know what you're referring to. Great. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you know it at just perfectly the right time after I've over-explained things. So. <laughs> uh, so I've Paul... shown my cards, and here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul's telling her they're a better couple, so they're safe. Yes. Seriously, who would you rather be, them or us? <laughs> they were the perfect couple. They weren't the perfect couple. They, they, they disagreed about everything. They did not. Yes, they, they did. did. They not. disagree about everything. And she criticizes him all the time. She criticizes I criticize you. Not like this. You know, not in that hand-slappy way. Honey, the other day at Empire Szechuan when you went for that last dumpling? No, no, that, that wasn't a slap. You were hungry. You did what you had to do. <laughs> I like him saying, who would you rather be, them or us? Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So, well, that's in the next clip. Oh, is it? All right, then. <laughs> you jumped so ahead. Wow. I may have. No, no. You thought I just put a very long clip in. Uh, you never know with you, John. That's 100% true. Well, can you explain to me what you think this joke about the priest and the dog dresses a monkey might be? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> That's a bummer because I feel like that's just, you know, that's what they wrote to make it obvious that it's a joke. No, obviously, the, right. But it's silly, like a yeah. very convoluted but joke, I'm, I think. Yeah, it's a con. Ooh, John, is this a sweepstake? Oh, wow. Guys. This is, this is complicated. <laughs> sweepstakes. Write a joke <laughs> about a priest and a, and a monkey. Or no, about, yeah, about a priest, a priest and a monkey and a- where the reveal is the monkey was actually a dog. Yep. That looked like a that was dressed like a monkey. Yeah, let's do that. It could be the reveal, or I'll even do you one further. Give us your best a priest and a monkey dressed as a dog walk into a bar joke. <laughs> I'm basically making it, I'm doing most of the work for you. Okay, Russ, take so. it easy there. <laughs> yeah, that's a great sweepstakes. Good work. Perfect. So, once again, Paul assures her that it'll never happen to them. And, yeah, they get into this, uh, who would you rather be, the, the Devonows or us? Yeah. Trust me, we are not them. It will never happen to us. That's what Marilyn said, and Fred and Debbie Evans, the Tuckers. So? All divorced. Get out of the Tuckers got divorced? Yes. They were the perfect couple. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> wow. I love hearing uh, Jamie say his catchphrase. It was pretty neat. Very fun. I'm like, how'd you do that, Jamie? And now Paul's worried. Yes. She makes a good point. Everyone gets divorced mm-hmm. in their mm-hmm. world. Yes, and, and having scared Paul out of his slumber, Jamie has done her job. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly she's sleepy. So we go to the next scene. It's their apartment. Oh, gosh, this is so funny. Feels like dusk. 
it's the party. And uh, we go to the living room, and Warren and Connie are sitting on their hideous love seat trying to make small talk. And oh, <laughs> Warren asks her where she works. Yeah, I'm not very good at chit-chat. <laughs> Me neither. So where do you work? Oh, oh God, it's so funny. This character's great. Because they picked a comedian with such a strong persona that you only get to see on stage. Yeah. So it's like now you get to see him him in social situations, and it's so satisfying. They use him perfectly. Yes. And they use him just the right amount. Yes. It's always a joy to have him on. Always a joy. just the best. Uh, Yeah, always great having you on, Stephen. (laughs) Come back anytime. (laughs) Friend of the show, Stephen, right? So then Jamie comes in and she asks them if uh, she can get them a drink or anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, when do you need to know by? When... God, what a weirdo. Uh, so good. So then Jamie's like, you know, they're weird. And she heads back into the bedroom to fix her earrings or something. And she makes a very <laughs> She says funny... the funniest thing. Boy, Warren and Connie, it's like a David Lynch version of when Harry met Sally. <laughs> that is primo Jamie Buckman. <laughs> That's not even Jamie Buckman. That's like, that's very, Jamie Buckman's references typically, I think, skew older. This feels very of the moment. Yeah. No, I mean, I think this this is probably the strongest joke she's made on the show and as yeah. a character. I want to know what writer had this Twin Peaks joke at the ready. Well, yeah. When was Twin Peaks on? It was. I think right then. Yeah. Wasn't it? A- enough. Yeah. I, I'm not positive about the, about the years. Also, a David Lynch, Harry Met Sally sounds like it would be a huge hit right now. It'd be great. I, although I'm I'm not 100% sure, but they may have done a David Lynch when Harry met Sally in Lost Highway. Oh, I'm not positive. Fair, sure. That may be what that's kind of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no idea. Sounds like neither one of us has seen it. Yeah. Based on what I know about any David Lynch, I could also say, oh, no, that's mostly like a racer head or that's mostly uh, <laughs> the new season of yeah. Twin Peaks. I think when like, Harry met Sally was... I think David Lynch is when Harry Met Sally was a racer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we, uh, while she's fixing her earrings in front of the dresser, we see Paul in the reflection of the mirror in a tux. Mm -hmm. And Jamie's like, why are you wearing a tux? And which to me, I was like, oh, yeah, because when they talk about the, when she's like, we should cancel the party. Before that, I was like, oh, I thought it was a surprise party. And then when she said that, I was like, oh, I guess not. But now we discover that what's happening at the party is a surprise Right. Yeah, the gift is the surprise. The gift is a surprise, yes. Paul says he's Dean Martin. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie panics a little bit about what, yeah. Yes, he does look good in tux. Of course he does. He's James Bond. That's right. Jamie feels underdressed. Paul insists she is not. Jamie worries again about them splitting up because of their lack of being dressed well together. Yeah, I feel like it's foreshadowing. At the time, at least, I felt like it was foreshadowing of like, like, you know, oh, I see. Her insecurity about their marriage right now is going to ruin the night. Right, yes. There's a knock. Mm-hmm. Paul and Jamie head to the door. They pass Warren and Murray, who are like almost nose to nose, just staring at each other. They're in a deep staring contest. And the audience, I thought they died. They go bananas. They go bananas. Which I understand. It's real funny. I guess and there's so. a cute dog involved. Yeah, a bit with the dog. Yeah. Um, and then they, they, so then they move past them after the laughter subsides. And uh, mm. at the door, there's Connie, who's the worst person to be at the door at a party. And she's right. having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> there, there are people outside the door. Yeah, Connie, that, that happens all the time. People very often come to the door before entering the apartment. Oh, no. I'm sorry, are you okay? It may actually have helped. So the noise that people heard 
Why is Connie getting slammed in the face by the front door opening? Poor Connie. I actually feel very bad for her in this yeah. scene. Yeah, it's like she's trying. Poor girl, poor girl doesn't stand a chance. Yeah, it's an overwhelming way to live. Yeah. I hope she's okay. Lisa comes in with Fran. Fran's holding a big gift. Mm-hmm. They ne- the, the Devonows never come empty-handed. Her friend never comes right. empty-handed. Right. And uh, they're both wearing their coats, yeah. and their coats are buttoned up to the neck. Yes. And Jamie offers to take them, and she is rebuffed. They say, no, we're chilly. Which, oh, we won't, uh, we won't give that yeah, away. Yeah, it's fun. It's all this little conspiracy is coming together. Paul's doing a very good job. Well, yes, but also, <laughs> I know that I know the outcome, but I think if the two of them were to walk in with their coats buttoned all the way up, and I were Jamie, and I were to say, hey, can I take those? And they were to say, are you chilly? Uh, they were to say, I'm chilly. If I was Jamie, I'd be like, are you guys going to take a wedding picture? <laughs> Are we doing the cake thing? Are you guys wearing your bridesmaids dresses under that? Can I tell you, there's not a chance in hell that you would. <laughs> Look, I think I've proven that I'm very perceptive. That is true. Still. <laughs> so Fran hands Jamie their anniversary gift and then goes on this very fun little run about it. Yes. Here, if you hate it, you can return it. Ask for Zora and mention my name. In fact, you know what? I'll do it. I love a good return joke. I like that a lot. Very well played. (laughs) So, oh, then, then, oh, baby. Ira shows up. We get one of these an episode. The door goes off. Paul gets it. It's Ira. Mm -hmm. Hey. Hey, hey, what? You don't bring a present? Please. I'd like to think we're past that. (laughs) It feels like a Yiddish vaudeville act. So good. What? You didn't bring a present? I like to think we're past that. I like That's to think so we're past funny. presence. <laughs> it's beautiful. His voice, again, it happened automatically. Paul's voice got a little more New Yorky. A little bit. It does happen. Yeah. Absolutely. So Ira keeps his coat on and heads right for the crudite on the coffee table. Right. And uh, starts talking to Fran, <laughs> which is the moment where at least I remember that nobody knows about Mark and Fran except Paul and Jamie. Right. So where's Mark? What do you do, leave you or something? Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. Oh, man. I, I'm so sorry. You dating yet? <laughs> Oops. Uh-oh. It's so good. Gosh, that's funny. What a sleaze bag. Oh, oh, the first part's so funny, and then to hit on her is so weird and great. Oh, he's a monster. (laughs) So then we move very quickly from that to Paul uh, being like, okay, everyone, uh, let's give Jamie a present. Right. And he hands her a box, and it's her wedding dress, and she's very confused. (laughs) It's my wedding dress. How odd. (laughs) Wow, it's... it's my wedding dress. How odd. Uh, <laughs> what am I missing? You are missing one very important photograph. Ta-da! <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> the audience loves this. The ta-da! So funny. Oh, Surprise. what? Surprise. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Wright has so many of the laugh out loud moments in every episode that he's in. He's the funniest person yeah, on the he, show. Yeah, he's. I mean, yeah, he's. He's just, a, I guess, a very obviously a very funny person. <laughs> he's just mind blowingly funny 
everything he says is perfect. It is. And oh. they do use him perfectly. It's so good. They, you know, they use him to button and puncture like so many moments. Yeah. So then we uh, do a classic Mad About You later at the party. Right. <laughs> Jump. And uh, Paul and Ira are by the mirror, and Paul's admiring that his tux still fits. Mm-hmm. Even though, quite honestly, it fit a few episodes ago. Yeah. This, he needs to chill out. Yeah. <laughs> and also, it's been a year, and you're a dude. It's like... Meaning... Uh, meaning men's metabolism tends to be statistically, I think, scientifically higher than women's. Oh. And uh, so for a guy to still fit into his tuxedo a year after having it isn't necessarily like, oh, all right, good. But then again, I don't know what he's done in that year. I don't know his life. Well, we I'm do a little. I apologize. We check in like fairly regularly. That's true. <laughs> he doesn't eat that poorly. I guess you're right. And he plays racquetball <laughs> once, so. He does. He plays racquetball all the time. I forgot. So then Jamie uh, comes out of the bedroom in her wedding dress, followed by uh, Lisa and Fran in their bridesmaids gowns. And Paul is speechless. And we get in, we sort of get a taste of what their wedding day was like. Very, very sweet. Yeah. He just keeps saying like, what? Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. He says, wow, a bunch. He goes and gives her a kiss. Uh, he, no, he says, will you marry me? And she says, sorry, I'm taken, which uh, is cute. Great. Uh, so the cute, door cute. goes off again. Fran gets it. It's Mark. She opens it, <laughs> says you're late and slams it in his face. So funny. <laughs> and then he comes in and just gives a great obstetrician joke. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I had a tough delivery. Triplets. It's like pulling three pot roasts out of a Pringles can. It's <laughs> oh, truly disgusting. Bazinga. Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> So Paul corrals everyone, and it is tense in there. It's yes, it is. The tension between Mark and Fran is amazing, yeah, and very palpable. It is thick. And Paul's like, "Okay, everyone, let's take the photo." And then now he stumbles on Warren and Connie staring deeply into each other's eyes, the way Warren and Murray were. Right. And Warren finally gets up to take the photo, and he tells Connie, "Don't look at anyone else." <laughs> That's so funny. And then she waits like a half a beat and just looks down into her own chair. Yeah. It's so weird and great. I love these two lunatics. I hope they wind up together forever. I do too. I guess though. Like, I don't, (laughs) I don't know if I trust Warren. Oh, you know? Oh, I definitely don't. But who cares? Whatever keeps them doing this. Fair. Yeah. For your entertainment. Mm -hmm. Uh, You'd make a great king. (laughs) Yeah. So Paul has Fran stand next to Mark, just like the photo would have been from the original wedding. And it's tense. And Mm -hmm. Paul tries to sort of break away from the tension with a concern he has about the lighting of the photo. Don't touch me. Don't make a scene. I'm not making a scene. Warren, what speed film you got, Nick? Because I don't even know if you're going to have enough light, to tell you the truth. You might want to move a little to the left. I quit. (laughs) Well, are you happy, honey? You've done it again. You're right. I'm wrong. I'm back. All right. Right? Warren quits immediately. (laughs) I love it. You've done it again. So he apologizes. He's like, you're right. I was wrong. And I'm back. Fran uses that apology (laughs) against Mark. boy. So hard. See? Paul can admit when he's wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. Because you're an idiot. It's not like there's another woman, for God's sake. Well, there just might be another man. What? A guy? Oh, yeah. Right. Me? Good. Very good. (laughs) Not you. Me? Oh, come on, friend. Is that so impossible to imagine? No, but you would never. All right, you know, why don't we just get going with the picture? I would never what? You know what? Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Remember Jamie's painter boyfriend? Fran, 
You slept with Sherman? Lisa? Huh? I don't believe it. Believe it. Tell him. You uh, know about this? It happened right here, in this apartment. Here? We, we, we weren't home. home. What, you gave her a key? No, no, no. no. she had a key. Yeah, I don't have a key. Because you're not trustworthy. Yes. I'm not trustworthy. I'm not trustworthy. I didn't come up here with some painter to get... Speckled? No. Just chill out, friend. <laughs> well, he left her. I get it. Everybody needs to be cool in public for the day. Sure, sure. I love he immediately jumps to I lo- his response to the notion that he left her for a guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good. Very, uh, good. Very good. If anybody can make gay panic genuinely funny, it's Richard Kind. I mean, it's a recurring theme on the show. Yes, absolutely. Because I forget what it is now, but he made some reference to, oh, yeah, at the uh, Christmas party when they do the flashback. Yes, about kissing a guy, yeah. Yeah, because he, he dreamed of uh, some old actor. I forget who now. Me too. Oh, that happened on another episode. Yeah, I mean, he's always, you know. We're going to find out what happens to Mark when he takes this trip. Yeah, we are. Oh, that spackled. Oh, Ira. Ooh. Ira. Ooh. So good. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> Yikes. Everything's offered without the slightest awareness of like whether or not it's okay to say. He just doesn't care. But it's the most fun answer. And I think that's all For he sure. wants to offer. Yes. And I will take Oof. it. Spackled? Spackled. Yeah, then Mark says, my wife is throwing <sighs> it around all over your apartment. You know, it, it's really not our business. None of your business. It's not. My wife is throwing it around all over your apartment, and this is none of your business. Okay, everybody smile. <laughs> oh, not yeah. good, Mark. No, that was a nightmare. Yeah. And that's... then, of course, Stephen Wright <laughs> again. Such a hard laugh. <laughs> I thought that line was... I don't know why my first instinct was to laugh at my wife is throwing it around because I thought it was so overly dramatic. But it's he's dra- it's it's so serious that I was like, oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a serious it's the motivation behind it is serious and it's delivered seriously. But it's first of all, it's pretty extreme for 1993 network television, but also it's pretty out of character for this for Mark to be speaking that way. Yeah, I mean, and also about his wife. This pushes so them that's to... Why you're, that's why you're laughing. It doesn't quite fit. Mm, I don't know about that. Or I don't think it quite fits, and it's kind of gross. <laughs> it's definitely gross, but I think it's just a new... Sh- you know, I think uh, this situation pushes people to their limits. That's true. That's true. So <laughs> when Warren says smile, Connie uh... stands up and walks to the front of the photo blocking the cake and every all of the wedding people and I smiles. That. What a weirdo. Oh. <laughs> So then Jamie peels off for the kitchen because she's upset and Paul follows yes. her and we go mm-hmm. to the kitchen and she pulls a huge lasagna that she made out of the oven. Lasagna's back. It's Just back. like the pilot. But what an evolution. Mm-hmm. Because she didn't even know how to defrost a frozen lasagna before and now. Now she's making a big yeah. one for everybody. Yeah, it looked delicious. And it's funny because I saw that and I, I, I like immediately I was just like, oh, it's a lasagna like the pilot. Mm-hmm. Little did I know. Again, little did I know. Boy, There's Russ so little is that really... I know. <laughs> Really teasing this thing out. You guys are not gonna <laughs> believe what happened. So we find out Jamie's scared, which is what we've known yes. all along, but it's heightened now. She's scared they're gonna become Mark and Fran. Yes. 
She's scared of battling over custody of Murray. Yeah, which there is no custody battle, Paul tells her, because yeah. Murray was his. <laughs> yeah. But this builds to like a beautiful, classic Paul and Jamie arguments and resolution. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just sitting here getting hit. <laughs> Dating was better. You knew it was going to end. You could prepare for it. So what do you say? What do you say? You would feel better if you knew we were going to split up? Fran and Mark split up. Because they grew apart. What about us? Different. We're growing together. How do you know? Because I've been watching. I've been watching you and me I know from before. <laughs> I want some kind of guarantee that we're not going to split up. You, you want to guarantee? Here's a guarantee. Nobody, nobody will work harder at their marriage than you and me. I mean, that's it. That's, what are you going to do? It's just, it's, it's work. It's maintenance. It's, it's, like, it's like growing a garden. So we're a garden? That's what I came up with. We're a garden. <laughs> And 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 if we do it right, you know, we'll 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 blossom and flourish. Really? I don't know. I'm just making this up as I go along. You're making up very good. That's very sweet. Yeah, and uh, I've been watching you and me. I know from before. That yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> but so this is the other. This is the BK Whopper, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. This is where you know it's not a uh, painted on uh, grill taste, but it's a real flame broiled patty. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> when he starts talking about the nobody will work harder at their marriage, the camera starts to push in on the two of them who are arguing mm -hmm. over the kitchen island. Mm -hmm. And it's the, the table. Yeah, the, the little yeah. table that's in there. Yeah. <laughs> and it just is a slow, perfect push in that stops like very tight on their two faces. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful shot, I think, for a multicam. Yeah. Because it makes you feel, which doesn't happen as aggressively that often. Yeah. And then they um, they make a bacon double cheeseburger of themselves right there on that uh, self-same island. Yep. They kiss. They start making out. <laughs> and suddenly you're like, oh, baby, here comes the pilot. Yeah. Though I was Banging hoping. Banging on the table again in the kitchen. I was hoping, though, for like a callback. And it's fine because I, I didn't write the show. But. <laughs> I thought they were gonna do more stuff flying off the thing, you know. Right, but yeah, they, I I, uh, I wasn't sure if they would do that either. But I was okay with them not. But uh, I think I was in the end too because yeah, we cut back to the living room, and Fran and Mark <laughs> are on the floor, and she has him in a headlock and is just brutally attacking his manhood. Yes, saying Sherman was a real man, <laughs> and Yikes. that he was tireless, which is oh. <laughs> that's a brutal. That's the network equivalent of like closer again. Yeah, yes, getting pretty, pretty explicit. Yeah, implicitly explicit. Yes. So then they have it out in front of Ira and Lisa. Fran, I don't know who you are anymore. I swear, you've gone completely nuts. Me? You're the one who's running away from home. I'm not running. This is a rite of passage. Oh, you're such an idiot. <laughs> Oh, my God. They're at it again. What is this? Every time they have a party, they... You see? You see, this is wild. This is spontaneous. This is what I mean. This is what Peter Fonda would do in the Easy Rider. Easy Rider, not the Easy Rider. My God, if you can't even get the title right, how are you going to survive out there? I'm sorry, Fran. It's something that I've got to do. I've got to try it on my own. I've got to live on the edge, push the envelope. I just might not be here when you get back. I know. It's just a chance I'm going to have to take. I'll call you from Jersey. 
Finally, we get the correction of it's Ugh. Easy Rider, not Ugh. the Easy Rider. When they did it in the episode at the beginning, I was like, oh, that's driving me crazy. And so when Fran corrected him later, I was like, oh, thank you. And I didn't want to give away this reveal now to, you know, in this episode of our podcast. So when I commented on it before, I was like, he says the Easy Rider and that's it for that, I guess. OK, oh, moving on. I'm sorry you had to carry that this whole time. It's, I have a hard life. Uh, <laughs> have you seen that movie? I haven't. I have not either. I think I will. I mean, I'll watch it sometime, but like I heard it's part of that like weird 70s genre. Yeah. Like I'll um, watch it. I'm not going to like it. Yeah. What's that movie about the gigolo cowboy? American gigolo. Oh, American cowboy. No, no. I don't think M- Midnight cowboy. Yeah, Midnight yeah, cowboy. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Where that yeah, with, movie. Uh, Dustin Hoffman and yeah. Yeah. And John Voight. And it's like not yes. at all what I ex- like. Yeah, me neither. It's this weird, you know, it's like, a, I wouldn't say normal. It's a weird premise. And then with mm-hmm. a bunch of like normal scenes mixed in with like weird, trippy, like meandering. Yes. Slow. And I'm like, oh, this is like a aesthetic that was popular. Yeah, it's um, it's a little boring you know, a little at bo- times. <laughs> it's, you know, 70s cinema and the height of all of that stuff. I don't I'm not well versed enough By in stuff, it. stuff do know. you mean drugs? <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You I'm like, say. "Oh, yes, with with the auteurs and Coppola and uh just drugs, so many <laughs> drugs. Everybody was on drugs all the time." <laughs> Well, I think Easy Rider has a lot of drugs, too. It's a psychedelic movie, yeah. Yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, so Mark leaves. Yeah, that's an intense... It's intense, too, because it's like, this is... In the last episode, we watched something similar to this happen in silent. We watched Paul and Jamie watch something similar to this happen from yes. afar, and now we are up close hearing it happen, and if this is a, the final version of it, and it's pretty it's really upsetting. Rough. Yeah, It's very real. You know, just it comes down to this sort of thing in relationships where it's just people wanting different things. I would saying, be scared yeah. to watch this with my wife, who I, I'm not married, but I'm imagining, you know, on TV when it aired. Yeah. It's... <laughs> It's a little intense to watch a marriage breakup. If the millennials made this show, they'd put a trigger warning, trigger warning dissolution of a marriage. Uh, What a bunch of liberal wheat berries. What a bunch of liberal wheat berries. I'm fully in favor of trigger warnings and content warnings. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for clarifying that, Russ. Everybody take care of yourselves. (laughs) Wow. I want everybody to know that. I I hope that this far along they know that I'm a pretty uh, good guy. Yeah. But uh, every now and again, I'm just like, you guys know I'm a character when I'm behaving like a jerk like this, right? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what trigger. I mean, I've never seen a trigger warning on anything. Oh, they're out there, babe. Like what? Um, if people will talk about, so I saw it a, a bunch of places on the internet recently. Recently, the former lead singer of Lincoln Park died by suicide. So people would reflect on their own suicidal ideations or stories about what that brings up in them. And before, you know, it's just where it's just like, hey, I'm going to talk about suicide stuff. So if you're not in a place where you want to be reading about suicide stuff, don't read this right now. Hmm. So they'll put a content warning or a trigger warning. How come they don't do that on SVU or uh, Game of Thrones or? uh... They do. (laughs) They do? Well, they'll have the, you know, here's parental. They'll they'll have an advisory thing at the beginning. of the Oh, Russ, the TV rating is nowhere near a trigger warning. I guess that's TV 14. Yeah. But then it'll also say, you know, sexual awesomeness or whatever they say at the beginning of Game of Thrones. 
No, they say nudity. I'm talking about the abusive <laughs> aspects of both those shows. Oh, right. I'm sorry. I have not thought about the fact that now I feel like a jerk again. I do not watch Game of Thrones. I did not remember that a lot of the sex in Game of Thrones is very consensual. violent and yeah. and not awesome. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> if I had one word to describe the sex on Game of Thrones, it would be awesome. Oh, no, Russ. That's a pull quote now. Yeah, also, uh, <laughs> let's not forget you lumped that in with Law & Order SVU. Uh, I forgot about that part. I wasn't listening to the second half of that sentence. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Russ is a good guy, everyone. So... <laughs> I love when I'm reading my notes and I'm like, what? Yeah. I Oh, yeah. I mean, this goes Paul back and Jamie a kiss. beat, but like yeah. when she's like, you're the one who's running away from home at the beginning of that little scene between them, she, it was so, uh-huh. I think partly because she was on her knees saying it because she had just wrestled him to the floor. Right. She delivers it with such like heft. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it feels like a, a very well. It feels like you're watching like a great drama, like a Shakespeare in the Park production or something. Yeah. It was very, it's very well performed well-written scene oh it's tough it's very tough yeah and they ah but then also mark's button is so good i'll call you from new jersey i'll call from jersey (laughs) oh so yeah we go back to the kitchen and paul and jamie are post-coital and uh smooching Mm -hmm. i could see staring at this face for another 50 years really oh yeah absolutely even if i get a double chin i love both of them and gray hair mm-hmm. and wrinkles. Not a problem. Even if I have false teeth, a mustache, and I drool. <laughs> Why do you gotta push? You always okay, push. <laughs> Adorable. They're very lucky. Why you Boy, gotta those push? Those two. They're so lucky to have each other. You know. They know Russ. <laughs> In the post-credit scene, we get the bad. We get a very fun, very bad cake eating photo collage. Yes. And there's one photo. The second to last photo is them looking at the camera, but it feels like they're looking at us. Yeah. And then the final photo is them looking at each other. And it's just like, what a perfect closing moment to a season of Mad About You. We did it. That's the season. That's the season. We wrapped it on up. I feel great, actually. I do, too. A lot of good stuff. I feel like we did something, even though they did all the work. No, I absolutely. (laughs) I absolutely agree with you. It's uh, borderline. Yeah, not fair. Yeah, I feel too strong of a sense of accomplishment yeah, for having right. done yeah. <laughs> utterly nothing. Uh, I'd like boy, to thank, oh boy, uh, we talked <laughs> we talked about television for yeah. twenty two weeks. Can you believe it? That is a where's long my trophy? Time. Yeah, it's not a short time, and we get to do it again and again and again and again and again and again. Indeed. It's a great episode, though. I uh, highly recommend you watch it. Great episode, but don't real watch good it season alone. Meaning, no. don't watch. Watch it. Watch the second to last episode first. Yes. I didn't mean and don't watch, watch it, it in a group. alone no, like a loser. I, 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 no, yeah, I mean don't be a loser. I, I mean, mean, yeah, if you don't have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, don't watch you're a it loser. at all. <laughs> yeah. Until you find love. Yeah, we're not going to have trigger warnings at the beginning of our episodes. We're going to have restrictions. <laughs> well, I used to hate that. No, no loser singles can listen to our show. I thought that was a, a given. <laughs> No liberal berries. <laughs> no. no liberal wheat berries. <laughs> but, of course, there's one berry who's always welcome on the show. Dr. Joyce Berry. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, never mind. Fantastic. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Good. Great. Wrapping up great. Yeah. 
John, a job very well done. Thank you. I um, Do you have anything that you would like to plug? I mean, not, what do you think? No. No, but... No, I don't think you have anything going on. <laughs> Keep asking, because one day, maybe. Lord knows, Great. fingers crossed. I also don't have uh, a whole heck of a lot to plug. Though I will soon, I think. Interesting. Um, a little mini bit coming up. Uh, you know, I've got stuff on Tuesdays at the Magnet. Of course. With Squash. But I've got a, I've got a show coming up on a potential Sunday night uh, in early August at the People's Improv Theater. Cool. But I'm not entirely sure as to what that's going to be just yet, so we'll hold off. Well, you plug it next week. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. Yeah. Hey, Rise Guys and Gals, thank you for listening to this episode of Mad About Mad About yeah. You. Thanks for listening. The whole season. We did it, season. everyone. I can't believe it's we did nice. it. I can't believe Everywhere you're all... here with us. Yeah. So nice. Tell friends, tell family about how much you enjoy this show and really talk it up. Yeah. <laughs> no more free lunches. Yeah. <laughs> Get out there and do something. Please say hello on Facebook. Rate and review us on iTunes. That helps the visibility of the show. It helps to attract new listeners, which uh, would be great to have. And uh, Yeah, we're at Mad About You Pod on Twitter yeah, and on Facebook. Also, I'll reiterate, you can listen to us on uh, FM, whatever that one is, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, uh, all of them, you know. <laughs> Lots of different places. Lots all the places. Our theme song is great, and it makes me so happy every week, and it is written by John D. Ivy. Thanks to John. We've got a great logo by Mr. Nathan Diffie, D-I-F-F-E-E. He is on Twitter. Say hello to him there. Yeah. Thank you, Nathan. <laughs> you know, the thank yous change a little every week, and I never know when you're done. <laughs> they kind of do. I'll give a pause. For next time, no, but, but I, also I'll probably talk after that pause. Yeah, and I'll probably not wait for the pause. <laughs> I'll just be like, yeah. So thanks to him. Yeah. So 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 uh, many thank yous. <laughs> and our sound is beautifully mixed by Abuk Ivanovich. Thank you, sir. John, that's it for me. How about you? Yeah. Great. I am Russ Fader. I'm John Marbley. And, and this, this is, is what, what we're, we're saying. saying.